What's up, everybody? It's been a month or something. Um, yeah, what's up? It's been a month. I recorded a solo episode right before the E3 stuff and then put up the E3 interviews. If you haven't listened to those, it's been a month. You should check out the Sansvar interview I did, which was last with Chashu Entertainment. And then I have one that's Monster Outbreak and Koromon, and I have one that's Ruin Raiders and... Oh, no. Ruin Raiders and the other one. Ruin Raiders and... Ah, Anushard. Anushard. That's the one that I didn't get code to play for myself, which is why I couldn't figure it out right away. Because, you know, sometimes your brain's not firing on 100. Speaking of brains not firing on 100, welcome to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's been a... You know how last time I did a solo episode, I was like, it's been a fucking month. It's been rough. Yeah, well, I wish I could say that that went away. Um, during the E3 and all that cool business, it eased up a bit. Um, but brains be weird, man. And so I've had a lot of days where I've had a good amount of time after, you know, dropping off the kids and getting stuff done around the house where I want to come down and stream or I want to at least play something or put together something or finish producing something. Me and my grandma have episodes of the proc gens podcast that have just been kind of sitting there and for whatever reason over the last several months uh my my confidence i guess has kind of dropped through the floor um so we're a minute and 20 two minutes into this podcast and we're getting right to the meat and fucking potatoes there's not a lot of game news so there's not a lot to talk about game wise but i guess this is just another progress update Another way for me to talk to you and let you know what I'm going through and what things look like on my end. It's it's tricky. This summer's been strange. The fact that we don't have an in-person E3 and that everything's kind of trying to figure out how to get back to normal is good. Um, but it's also weird. And it's also something that I think might be a part of what's impacting me. It's kind of hard to tell. But I do know what I do know. Um, is that I uh, I haven't been making much stuff. I haven't doing been doing much podcasting outside of, you know, the community podcast that I don't produce. So I don't I just show up and record. I don't have to worry about doing anything after that. And of course I share it when it comes out. Um, you'll see that on my Twitter. And then you know every other week we do the the Nerdy Bit Show. This week there won't be one because Ben's out of town in New York. Have fun hanging out in the in the Empire State. That's a weird name. Empires kind of suck. Anyway. Um, he'll be enjoying New York and doing some stuff up there. I think he said Syracuse and then maybe some other places after that. Have fun, Ben. Next week, we'll have another Nerdy Bit show and we'll talk about the rap of Loki and we'll talk about uh, 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 Black Widow, which, you know, those will be good conversations. We love talking about nerdy shit. So, you know, when we get to talk about nerdy shit that we love, uh, it's a double positive. Um, I'm still sitting here floating. Trying to figure out, like, I'm like a, a listing ship, just kind of kind of moving through the water, but also kind of like listing to probably to port because that's the first thing that came to mind. Listing to starboard doesn't sound as good as listing to port. That should, that should be the name of an album, if not already an album. The Dreadnoughts, listing to port. Another album of sea shanties. It's been weird. I don't really know how to contextualize it or talk about it without just kind of sitting in silence 
and saying it's been weird over and over again, which will make for really good audio. So I'm glad you're here to listen. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, clear my throat. I looked away from the microphone at the very least. I could have muted it, but I didn't. It's been weird. I've so, you know, since the last time I recorded the E3 stuff did happen. I did get press credentials to that. It was awesome. That being said, the things I got access to are relatively small. Those were the the few episodes that you guys got before this. You folks got before this. And after that, it wasn't really much. And I know that like if this had been a year that people could go to L.A., I would have been there. And the amount of stuff that I would have been able to cover, the stuff I would have been able to see, stuff I would have been able to interact with, people, hell, people I would have been able to interact with, would have absolutely been astronomically different. This year was not that. And still, it's extremely awesome that I got press credentials to E3 and hoping that, you know, having done it this year makes it a little easier to do it next year, hoping next year's in person, all of those things. It still didn't really, you know, scratch, maybe not scratch an itch, but it didn't really, like, give me the fulfillment I thought it would, which is a weird thing to say because how could you get fulfillment from something like that it's interesting so i guess to, you know breaking breaking down the barrier of we're going to talk about some real shit this episode and getting right into the real shit i've had a hard time finding what i want to do in this space i have time i work for myself i i say work for myself i don't pay myself very well i'm a very bad boss in that way but I don't have, a, you know, a nine to five. I don't have a retail job. I don't have a job at Starbucks or anything anymore. I'm a stay at home dad, essentially. And that's cool. And I don't mean to say that's cool. And like the tone that like, oh, that's cool. I mean to say that in the genuinely, like, I really like being able to be home and able to straighten up the house and able to hang out with the kids and able to make dinner more often. And if not every night and things like that, but what I've encountered is that during the day, when those things are done, like today, for instance, it's I'm sitting down to record this on Tuesday, the 13th at 2.40. And I set the kids, I dropped the kids off, got home and ate some food at about 9.30, 9.45. So I'm kind of sitting around the house, wandering, or letting my mind wander at the very least if I'm not moving around physically. And I'm not entirely sure where it comes from, but I think I have a good idea. And it's that a lot of what I do, what I have been doing, is kind of been fueled by my own drive to make it, right? I've been doing bounty board for more than two years now. I have been running Nerdy Bits since 2012, so almost 10 years. Um... And I've done all of these things because I love talking about games. It's my favorite thing in the world, talking about games. And I hope desperately to someday either get paid to talk about games or get paid to write for games. I've, you know, written for Smugglecraft back in 20, whatever that was, 15, uh, 16, 2016. Um, and that was a fucking blast. I loved it. I directed the voiceover for that game. I voice acted myself in that game. And it was a dream come true. Now, you know, 
situations and circumstances notwithstanding that studio wasn't exactly the greatest place to interact or work with people but i made some good friends and i've got something to put on my resume and after that i worked at pixel press and you know did some i'm not voice acting i wouldn't no it's voice acting whatever i uh i recorded their tutorials uh i made their tutorials i got all the gameplay footage and i put together the graphics and all that stuff for their tutorials and that was a blast too um I loved the first time I did it. We'd mentioned doing tutorials, and everybody had said that they needed them, but nobody had, you know, sat down to do them. And I was like, oh, "What do we need?" And I wrote down like the outline. We need one covering this, 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 and this. And I remember staying from at the office until ten that night after everybody had left, and I made them all, um, and exported them all, and uploaded them all to YouTube and all that dope shit. And I was able to come in the next day to the stand-up meeting and be like, and someone was like, "We need to work on tutorials," and I was like, "Oh, they're done." And they were like, what? And I was able to like, hey, check out this link that I shared with everybody. And they were able to pull up the videos and watch the tutorials. This shit was great. I love making things for games. Whether it's stories or articles or podcasts or streams. And I've fallen off of all of those things. And it sucks. Um, but here's the other thing. I don't really feel the need to apologize to people. I know that that might seem weird. It might seem egotistical. But I've been making these things for me. And I love that people like them. I love that people get into the shows or listen to the podcasts or watch some of the videos I've made or any of that stuff. I absolutely love it. And it's it's a great like uh, additional bonus. But the, the, the meat and potatoes of it, or if you're a vegetarian, the, the, the tofu and potatoes of it, is that like... I'm making this stuff for me, and right now, I don't want to be me? That's weird and dark. I don't know if it's that exactly, but that seems the way it was the first thing that came out of my mouth, so maybe drunk thoughts or drunk drunk words or sober thoughts. I'm not drunk. It's the middle of the day. <laughs> but, you know, first impressions, right? They're generally correct. I wish that I could break through whatever this wall is and just start making things. The biggest problem I have is that like the stuff I want to do takes a lot of work and that's not a dissuading, you know, factor. That's not a thing that generally looks me in the face and goes, well, you can't do this now, but it is something that has been a bit of a roadblock in that I am, I'm a guy in the Midwest. I'm a 29 year old dad of two in the Midwest who's written one article that's been published by a major, you know, um, platform and who has, you know, made some connections with some people and that's really great, but those connections haven't paid off with anything, you know, more career defining yet. And every time I sit down with a notepad and a pen and try to think of ideas that I want to do, things that I want to make video series that I want to make or or a podcast series even that I want to make, like the one about story that I started by, you know, in having Adrian Buskey come on and, and talking to him about story and games. Every time I sit down to do one of these, I fall into the weird trap that is getting on YouTube and finding maybe not exactly what I want to do, but some facsimile of what I want to do that makes me think, like, why do you want to do this? Other people are doing it, and they're doing it better. And I don't even think that they're doing it better most of the time. I think I have unique takes on things that could make my stuff stand out. It's just I see other people who've already done it. 
And I know I frequently turn into a Pinterest board where I say dumb quotes that should be on a poster with a cat hanging onto a branch. Don't judge your chapter one by other people's chapter 10. But that's what I do. I think that's what people do naturally. And it doesn't help that during this time, games and their releases and all of those things have been severely impacted. So we haven't had much to play. And at the same time, we've had a ton to play, right? Knockout City came out, and I loved that game. And I still play it occasionally, but not as much, because I haven't been able to motivate myself to hop online and play games with friends recently. The Sea of Thieves, Pirate's Life stuff, that's the crossover with uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Very good. Very good. And the little the little, you know, cutscenes. They don't have cutscene cutscenes most of the time, but the little in-game cinematic moments that they've added are really good. The world building and the, the the level design, really good. Walking around, you know, uh, a town, Tesoro, I think was the town we were in last night, or walking around the, the Sea of the Damned, all these. They're all really, really cool places, and it's a lot of fun to play. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a bit of a, a bar <laughs> of entry for the Sea of Thieves for me because we play it as a family and playing with my mom and grandma while delightful is often stressful because they don't understand game design to the to the level that most of the people probably listening to this or or most of the people that play games a lot do. My mom has had an Xbox for a year and a half, two years, a year and a half. And she's better than she should be, only a year and a half in, being able to play Sea of Thieves and, and understand, you know, navigating with two sticks, one for moving and one for looking. But, you know, it's a it's a little bit of a trial. So, but still, back to the original point. I haven't played I haven't been motivated to play many games with people. I think I'm talking fast, so I'll slow down a little bit. But most nights I, you know, get the kids to bed by seven, seven thirty. Last night, eight thirty, because Charlotte, my four year old, was absolutely resistant to going to sleep, which was weird because she didn't feel well and she was extremely tired. She ended up sleeping and sleeping kind of well. She was she was a peach this morning though, so that was great. I get the kids in bed by 7.30. I get the wife in bed by 9. And then I kind of sit and just, I don't know, go somewhere mentally until like 11, sometimes 12. And by the time it's midnight, I got to get up at 7.30. I got to get up at 7 anymore to help the wife get the kids up and get them out and going. Being up late just isn't a thing that I can do frequently anymore, and that's a huge bummer. Um, it really has, like, there's this thing. I remember watching a friend of mine who had one kid and maintained, you know, his online presence have a second kid. And after that second kid, this person came became more and more, you know, separate. And not separate, separate. Like, we still hang out all the time, talk all the time, and I enjoy their company a lot. But after the second kid, they became a little more distant and a little less available to play games. And I remember telling myself, do not let that happen. Like games are such a foundational part of who you are and how you relax and how you de-stress and how you find worth that you can't let games get completely sidelined. And I think I'm in a, in a resistance cycle with that right now. Jabril moved down uh, in May and hung out and lived at the house for a month and that was very good for our friendship and i love the guy dearly and i hope all of the best for him as he's in his apartment now and looking at maybe getting uh, a way to move up quickly at work and all the dope shit that you want to see happen to your friends it's the best while he was here though neither of us really played games because we play games to socialize a lot of the time 
And well, he was here. So we would watch movies and shows and sit and talk and wax philosophical about dumb shit. The number of high thoughts, and I don't know if I've ever talked about this on any podcast, but I've been doing it for two years. So forgive me. But high thoughts, those moments where you say something and the other person's like, bro, how the fuck high are you right now? I don't know, man. I think that, uh, I think that time is, is a construct. Like thoughts like that, you know, you say some shit and the other person goes, oh, cool. I gotta, okay. Give me a second to get in the zone to engage in whatever the fuck it was you just said. Um, Jabril and I had a bunch of those moments and watched a bunch of movies and enjoyed our time. But during that time I didn't play as much and recovering from that. And I say that like, it's a bad thing. Like it's a car accident or an injury. Recovering from that separation of needing to play games to socialize and being able to socialize with somebody in my own house has been interesting. A lot of the time, friends of mine will get on at nine, and I wish I could get on at nine, but I also want to spend time with my wife. And then when I finally get her to sleep, I say that like I have to like sing her to sleep or some shit. When she finally goes upstairs to go to bed, I frequently think, what do I have to play and do I want to? Which is a weird issue to have because I have a backlog that's about as long as anything. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a veritable library. Maybe not a library of Congress, but I have five hundred and forty seven games on Xbox through, you know, game sharing and Game Pass and EA Access and the games I've purchased myself. And on Steam, I have nothing shy of thirty games. So I have plenty to play and plenty that I haven't played nearly enough of. But for some reason, I sit there and don't want to play anything. And I think it kind of comes from this fear I have that I'm not doing enough with my creative talent, my journalistic talent, my production talents that justifies relaxing, being happy. It's weird. A lot of people have personal hobbies. And to be honest, last year, um, there were several conversations that came around and I probably talked about this last time we had one of these episodes. So forgive me, but you know, my brain is mush last year. There were a couple of conversations that were brought up around what I'm doing and what my goal is for why I'm doing it. And then there were some propositions for growth or expansion, whatever, uh, you want to define it as. And I was immediately, and I don't think unjustly, but I was immediately kind of critical of the idea of like growth mindset. I don't like growth mindset. I don't know. I want to do things because the people that I'm doing them with want to do them as well, because that's why I do it. As I mentioned before, I'm nerdy bits, all of this stuff, the streams, the podcasts, the articles, the interviews, it's all been for me. Mostly because I realized at some point in college that I'd lived most of my life to try and appease my parents. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know if that's something that's immediately relatable to a lot of people, but I'm sure everybody has a group of people or several people, or even a pair of people, maybe even one person that you've been known to want to do things to make them happy for you, to impress them, something like that. And I think I realized relatively, you know, young, which is both a blessing and a curse, right? Because growing up early sucks because you can only be a kid once. I realized relatively early that like I'd done a lot of shit for other people. 
And so Nerdy Bits was created initially so that I would have an outlet, right? So that I would have a place to write things, uh, make videos, do podcasts. And podcasts are obviously better with more people. I'm sure 20 minutes into this, you're already tired of my voice. And that is a valid criticism. I just have always done those things with the understanding. And maybe it's not a group understanding, because how can one ask this question without coming across uh, maybe not needy or cloying, but definitely a little... Uh, how can one ask like why people are doing a thing? Anyway, in the conversations last year, in in kind of doing what I just did, telling you what this all has meant to me, and being against the idea of like doing it for the purpose of growing, instead of doing it for the purpose of doing it with friends, there were some words thrown out that I don't think I've really recovered from, and one of them was that 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 this was a hobby for me. And I don't know why that triggered me so much. And at the same time, I do. But like a hobby is something that you do for fun and that you do just for fun, at least to me. Maybe that's not the definition of hobby. I'm on a computer right now, so I'm uniquely qualified to look up hobby and see what the definition is. A definition of a hobby is an activity done regularly in one's leisure time for pleasure. Sure. I think for a lot of people, video games are their hobby. And that's 100% fine. That's why the industry exists. Entertainment is a hobby hub. A hub of hobbies. Hobby hub. It's a new website. Where people will get back from work, get back from trips, get back from or get done handling kids or whatever it is they do during their daily life, you know, and they want to go do something that is not that, that gives them a chance to get out of their own head or a chance to dive deeper into their own head and kind of process their day. One of my buddies is an EMT or was an EMT. And I'm sure video games for this person were a way for them to just turn off the part of their brain that was trying to recount the day's events because good god i would do anything if based on some of their stories i would do anything to forget some of that shit i don't really have well let's not even i don't even want to equate i don't want to equate and say i don't even have that because it's different it's entirely different for me video games aren't just something i do in my leisure, for pleasure, I don't play games only because they are fun. And maybe that's my own fault. No, that's definitely my own fault. But at the same time, I've always had a mind, at least while playing games, that wants to know about where these things come from, how they're made, who they are made by, why they made them specifically in the ways that they did. And so I have a hard time playing a game and not really caring, unless it's a multiplayer game. And don't get me wrong, a lot of the games I play are multiplayer games. But even then, I'm taking a more scrupulous or scrutinizing, whatever the right screw word is, uh, more scrutinizing, surely, more scrutinizing uh, view of it. Playing Rocket League, I'm sitting there and, and I'm dissecting like how they built a game with a baseline physics engine and decided to put cars in it and it turns into soccer and it turns into soccer 
a la Quidditch. <laughs> it turns into soccer a la Quidditch with this weirdly perfect level of nuance that makes each game feel completely different and is easily equivocated with sport. I played baseball for 15 years. Like I love doing the same thing ostensibly day in, day out, and it playing out differently every time. Every baseball game is nine innings. Sometimes it's eight and a half because the home team is winning at the top of the ninth. And if you don't understand baseball, what I just said makes no fucking sense. Welcome to my brain. Um, but there's something about sport that stands out to me in games like Knockout City and games like Rocket League. That I, despite them being multiplayer, the whole time I'm playing, I'm thinking about how this was made, how it works, what the strategies are, you know, things that, you know, take me outside of just like, this is fun. I'm blowing stuff up. Now, shooters are a little more turn your brain off and blow some shit up. Thank you, Michael Bay, for teaching me that sometimes you can shut off your brain and blow stuff up and have a lot of fun. Say what you will about the Transformers movies. They may be acted poorly. Shia LaBeouf's always great. Josh Demel is a TV dad at his finest. And we all know that Michael Bay was an asshole to Megan Fox. So we can just let her slide on that whole, you know, decade of her life because dude was an asshole. But acting aside, the fight choreography in those movies, fucking great. And if you go in with a bucket of popcorn and leave your brain in the car in the glove compartment and go watch a movie with a handful of buttery popcorn and a soda that's killing you faster than you're drinking it, <laughs> you're going to have fun watching Transformers movies because they're fucking fun. I went and saw Fast 9 a couple weeks ago, and if that wasn't the dumbest fucking movie I've ever seen in my life, but one of the most fun experiences I've had at a movie theater, I don't know what is. It was so stupid, but like also ostensibly very good. I watched Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard before that. Let me tell you, Sometimes it pays off to check your brain out. And I think that's one, you know, one of my disconnects with games is that it's hard for me to just play it. I'm always thinking about it, which is why I want to write things. This is why I want to make videos, which is why I like doing, I like doing podcasts. I, this isn't a hobby for me, though. It's not something that I just do to clear my head. Good God, if it was, I'm doing it poorly. Because I'll play two hours of a game and be impacted by something that I'll think about for the next week. And sometimes that means I don't play the game for a week until I can like break down and digest that little bit. And sometimes it means that I mainline it. I put a hundred hours into Assassin's Creed origins and Assassin's Creed Valhalla in about a month. Not total, not for both of them. I mean like a month for origins and a month for Valhalla. I'm not crazy. Um, don't ask me about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. For some reason, that game just didn't capture me, despite loving Cassandra. But these aren't a hobby to me. They never have been. I don't think they ever will be. And I, you know, no one can know that for sure. But there's a chance that, you know, I, I get to my 60s and whatever the fuck video games look like in 30 years. I'm done with the professional aspect of games and I just enter into whatever that space is with let's go have some fun. And maybe I'm being a little absolutist. I still sometimes just play games for fun. 
but there's always a little tick in the back of my brain. Does a film critic ever stop watching movies and seeing the difference between one scene's camera juxtaposition and its set design? I I am the same way with movies. Does that ever go away? Does a critical mind in the arts fade? Can you turn it off completely? Can you ever really shut your brain up while you're enjoying art? If your brain has a proclivity to dissect and evaluate that art. I don't think it does. I don't think you can. I don't think I want to. Because I love it. And it's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Be it, like I said, on the creative side or the journalistic side. Games are so much more than just games. There's a couple of great YouTube channels that put out, well, it's just a game. Videos that are montages of games being definitely more than games. Emotional moments or or strong story beats or incredible multiplayer moments that become water cooler stories that you share for years to come. They're not just games to me. And they may be to some people. They really might be. And that's fine. I say might be because I'm also not convinced that you can play The Last of Us and not think about what that story is trying to tell about parenting and human morality. I don't think that you can play Assassin's Creed and not have a conversation about how power changes hands and how history is written by maybe not even the victors, just those who had control of who you thought were the victors. Or you can't play a game of city skylines, building a city, and not think about how, for some reason, the systems and the city builder know that if there's not many schools and not many businesses, the area becomes low income and crime rises. Why do we build games that mimic our lives so perfectly? And how do you play a game that mimics life so perfectly and not think about how that makes you feel? I dare you. Go play Mass Effect and try not to think about how you manage your friendships. Place any any Star Wars game and try to think about what being a rebel really means. And if it's, and if the rebels are actually terrorists. And if terrorists are just freedom fighters, just for the other side. Games are more than just, you know, the code that makes them. It's the ideals and mindsets and uh, drive of the people that make them. And the people that make them frequently are trying to tell you about something that impacts them emotionally. I guess you could argue that Call <laughs> this is funny. I guess you could argue that Call of Duty's creators really wanted the highway of death or whatever it was called. They really wanted that to not be our fault. So they made a game where it wasn't. Not all of these express expressions or interpretations are good. Not all opinions are made equal. And I think that's why game criticism is such a big deal. And why it's so important. Because not all opinions are made equal. And I think that there's a thing going around right now on Twitter where people are talking about critics who don't know how to play games or game developers who don't know how to play their own games or 
what really is a gamer based on the difficulty of the game you play or the difficulty setting you put the game on. And all these things are just laughable bullshit to me. Games are created by people. People are multifaceted and diverse. Patrick Klepek over at Waypoint last year, the year before, put together a series of articles of interviews interacting with developers who like just did not fuck with the game that they were making, but loved making games. You can't tell me if you love to work in a kitchen that you love to eat every dish that you make. That's dog shit. I mean, some, sometimes I'm sure, yes, some restaurants that have eight menu items, those are eight menu items that were chosen by a chef whose name is probably not entirely unrecognizable and who has a lot of creative control in that ship that they're guiding. But if you go to Cheesecake Factory, they have a head chef. I would bet hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, that the person that's the head chef doesn't like everything in their fucking encyclopedia of a menu. <laughs> it's impossible. It doesn't make sense. So, of course, there's game designers that make horror games who are good at creating scary elements that when given the chance to play test it, they go, nah, I don't fuck with horror stuff like that. Because when you're creating it, it's fun. When you're experiencing it, to me, it's hella not. <laughs> I fucking hate scary stuff. I'm a big old weenie. Blame that on my Christian uprising, I guess. Right. Spirits, fuck me up. Zombies, fuck yeah, let's go. I will fuck up zombies. Does it still scare me a little bit? Yes, but I'm less scared of zombies than I am of demons and possession. Because I was raised to fear those things. And we all know that childhood trauma is hard to overcome. So why wouldn't the, you know, fabricated stories of traumatic creatures being in the shadows waiting for you not traumatize you i just checked the corners of my office games aren't a hobby to me and over the last six months since my son was born i've kind of it's almost been a year honestly since i moved my office down here into the basement and i got this wonderfully beautiful microphone that makes my voice sound really good I think, <laughs> I don't know. Someone's probably listening to this and like, it's got a little bit too much bass. It's kind of overwhelming the timber of your voice. The last year has been weird. Honestly, the last three years have been weird. My grandfather died in 2018. Here's another one coming out of left field. I'm not jumping tracks. I promise my train tracks are just real winding. Less like train tracks and more like theme park roller coaster tracks. Very, very rarely unidirectional. <laughs> My, the, the straightaways are only for the buildup. And then after that, it's a winding, spiraling, looping mess. But I think that's consciousness. And if you think your brain is straightforward, you're either wildly wrong or you have the internal monologue of a microwave. <laughs> if that sounded insulting, it's because it was. I do that sometimes. My grandfather died in 2018. Um, and after that, I haven't completed hmm, more than two creative works. Since then, I haven't really, really 
written a really big article that I really care about more than two, three, maybe four times in three years. That's a lot. And speaking earlier of always having somebody that you wanted to do something for, it's kind of rough to realize that like a good portion of your creative energy was, was maybe not aimed directly at, but hinged a little bit on the opinion of somebody that you value very much. And I don't know if my grandfather read my stuff and got excited by it, but I knew that when I was making stuff and he asked and I was able to tell him what I was making, I saw a little sparkle in his eye that was like, well, good for you. He may not have even said good for you, but I'd see him smile. And you know, when you're proud of something or somebody, parents especially, when you're proud of your kids and they do something, you may not tear up but your eyes get a different gloss to them because there is more water in them at the time, but a tear doesn't drip down your face. He would do that when I would talk about what I was making. And I'm not trying to disparage anybody else in my family, but there isn't really anybody that asks like he did. And there isn't really anybody that reacts like he did. He was just happy to see me doing something that made me happy. And so when he passed, there was a big chunk of my motivation that died with him. In the last three years, I've been trying to rebuild that. But how do you rebuild something that's based on the look in someone's eyes? The firmness of a handshake or a shoulder grip. You can't rebuild that. You have to replace it. And if you're lacking candidates for replacement, then... Well, then you're where I am. I have plans. And I think plans are more or less foolish. Who says foolish? <laughs> Sound like a pretentious asshole sometimes. Thanks, English degree. I think that a lot of plans people make are dumb because life is chaos and it should be. Don't get me wrong. It should be. I think that if you look at the way children learn and the way that adults become ignorant, it's a distinctive lack of chaotic instances. And I don't mean chaos in the terms of trauma, though that is readily a, a available for both children and adults. But I think that if you take a learning environment and try to ascribe a certain amount of chaos to it, children know nothing going into every educational opportunity until they're about 10. And yes, they retain some information. They learn how to read. They remember what days are what, but what I mean is that like foundational thought, things that help you understand who you are as a person and what the world is that you're walking around in, those things for young children are monolithic. And as you begin to understand those things, it changes huge chunks of your perception. And that's chaotic. Imagine having a child's brain and trying to just take in the world in a few years and 
become an adult with that information. Like learning as a kid is chaotic. It's a chaotic educational environment, and I think it's good. And yes, we can control the chaos, but introducing slavery, introducing colonialism, introducing imperialism, imperialism, introducing genocide, introducing sex and hormones and relationships, introducing chemistry, biology, genetics, DNA, introducing geography and earthquakes and volcanoes and tectonic plates. Every time somebody learns about that for the first time, their brain has to reassess what the world is. And I think that people as adults try, try to remove that chaos, surround themselves with echo chambers, do whatever they can to, you know, <clears throat> to, to limit, you know, paradigm shifting discoveries. I hope that in my life I never do that. I think that when you limit the the types of things you're able to learn or the types of things you're able to experience, then you limit the types of things you're able to learn. And the interesting thing about the last three years, right, uh, especially the last year and a half, has been that it's been way more chaotic than a lot of people have planned for and a lot of people are ready for. Hop on TikTok and you'll see kids who've adjusted. They may not be perfect to the way we wanted to see kids before, but you'll see kids who've taken this new environment, this new distance, this new situation that we're all dealing with, and they're learning to thrive in it because they're used to that educational chaos. For the last year and a half, as much as I've tried <clears throat> to remain as open to educational chaos as possible, it, it broadsided me. But the good thing is that I've learned a lot from it. I've learned a lot f about myself from not being able to interact with friends. I've learned a lot from myself about what I can do and what I can motivate myself to do when I'm working for myself, when I'm doing my own thing. And here's the crazy thing. I know I can get a lot done. I know it. Now I just have to convince my brain that it's worth doing. And that's the second thing. As much as I make what I make and do it for me, there's still a weird tick in the back of my head that says, who fucking cares? And this is absolutely something I'm repeating from the last episode that I did something like this. But the issue persists nevertheless. I'm constantly trying to figure out how to prove to my brain that what I'm doing is important, that what I'm doing is something that I should be doing. Maybe even not that I should be doing, just that it's not me spending creative energy and then lofting some Hail Mary into a fucking well. It's really hard to, you know, justify to me spending hours that bleed into the evening working on something for myself when I could be working on the relationship I have with my kids or my wife, or it could be cleaning a house that we actively live in. I write a lot of stuff and I don't think that even my wife reads it. Sometimes I have to remind my uncle or my friends that I wrote something. 
That's a bummer. But it's also not my job or their job to remind them or to always be caught up in what I'm doing, respectively. That was a confusing sentence. But what I've found out recently is that I can do nothing. And not many people will ask about it. Which is both comforting and, like I said before in another instance, comforting and alarming. Because it reminds me of, it not reminds me, but it tells me two things. One, there's so much shit going on in the world that if one person doesn't make something, no one's going to notice. They're, they're, they're watching 12 shows on Netflix, two shows on Hulu, three shows on HBO Max, and an Amazon Prime movie, while also trying to read two books, one of them self-help, which that concept doesn't make any sense, because if it was self-help, well, you wouldn't be reading somebody else's words. Uh, they've got a lot of stuff going on. And the other thing, the, the, the other thing is that I could not do something and nobody would notice. I guess that's not the other thing. That's the first thing. The other thing is that I could do something and people not notice, right? Because I guess if, if you don't do it and they don't notice, is that indicative of them having too much to do or your thing never being that important to them? And caring about that second thing is alarming for a third reason, which is if I was really doing this for myself, I wouldn't care about what other people think about it. And by and large, <clears throat> I think I'm confident enough to say that I don't. I don't really care. Honestly, the articles that I've written that I like the most are the articles that I wrote and started to write and stopped because I was like, this is, people are going to think this is dumb. And then I was able to step out of my own body, smack the shit out of myself and say, who gives a fuck what they think? Write it because you want to write it. I wrote a piece about far loan sales that got the attention of the people who wrote it or made it. I, got, I wrote a piece about Florence that got the attention of the people who made it. Neither of those were made for those people. Those those articles were written for me because I needed to get something out. So it exists, right? It's there. It's possible. For some reason over the last year, I've had a really hard time doing any of that. So here on Bounty Board, my video game podcast, I'm talking to people individually. <clears throat> not individually. I'm not talking to each of you one-on-one. -on -one. Though I'm sure, I'm sure I know a couple of people, good friends that are listening to this as soon as it goes live. And to you, I'm incredibly and eternally and unremorsefully thankful. Because you don't have to do this, but you do. And I appreciate that. But get, games aren't a hobby to me. And never have been, and I don't think they ever really will be only a hobby. But to create a 30-minute video on something, to create a series of podcasts on something, to create anything takes a lot of work. And I'm starting to get to the spot where I can do that. And I... Don't think that there's a, I, I think that oh, words, 
I don't think that this podcast episode I'm recording right now is ins- an insignificant step in the right direction to like getting back in my office more often during the day and making stuff. I want to stream again too. I love doing it. Problem is when I'm streaming, I'm not creating, you know, videos or articles or stories. So streaming has to be done with a grain of salt. I got into streaming a lot last year and it was a lot of fun. But I noticed that streaming Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I didn't leave myself a lot of room to write articles or create videos or any of that. So I need to balance those things. And I hope to. I still want to do a series on the story of video games. It may be a podcast series of episodes. It may be a video. If it's a video, I got to spend a lot of time capturing footage. And I like doing that stuff, especially when I have a list that I can knock out. Y'all, lists are the shit. But also sometimes I look at a list and I get intimidated by the fact that there's more things there than there are people to do them. So I guess the reason I wanted to record this episode was, I guess, in a long roundabout, let me share my life story kind of way. A call for you as the listener to be kind to yourself as somebody who's gone through life being extremely self-critical, mostly because I'm an artist, but also largely because of family uh, trauma and other external factors. Be kind to yourself. Don't tear yourself down. There are leagues of people that will do it for you. Uh, If the internet has been any indication over the last fucking three months, Sometimes they will do it to the point where you take your own life. So don't do it for them. Trust me, you don't need to practice. Your armor will be thick enough just being self-critical might hurt it. But at the same time, always be self-critical. But be self-critical in the kind of way that a good teacher or a good parent will be critical. Not accusing you of failure, not making fun of you or holding some level of achievement you didn't reach over your head. But sitting you down next to what you've done and then showing you what's possible. We all have things we want to do in life. One of my favorite words that I discovered in college, even, is this word sonder. Sonder is this, I, you know, there's languages that have words that aren't in English that, like, aren't something that we have one word for, but often, like, is a thing that we really understand. Like schadenfreude, right? laughter, comedy at others' misfortunes. We don't have a single word for that. Schadenfreude works. Thanks, Germans. Your compound words do work wonders sometimes. Zonder, Sonder is one of those things. Um, And I'm going to read it to you real quick, and I hope this is a good way to contextualize how I feel and also how I'm impacted by, like, my own wants and desires. So Sonder is the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own. 
populated with their own ambitions, friends, routines, worries, and inherited craziness. An epic story that continues invisibly around you, like an anthill sprawling deep underground, with elaborate passageways to thousands of other lives that you will never know existed, in which you might only appear once, as an extra sipping coffee in the background, as a blur of traffic passing on the highway, or as a lighted window at dusk. A lot of people like to think they're the most important fucking thing in the world. And I think a lot of self-criticism can come from a weird bastardization of that same thought. But the reality is everybody that we interact with all has things they want to do. They all have dreams. They all had dreams in the more unfortunate cases where those dreams have been beaten out of them. They all have friends. They all have families. They all have people they interact with, coworkers, neighbors, acquaintances. And to them, to you, your life is full of things that are not what my life is full of. And I'm thankful that while you listen to this for a moment, our lives connect. And that in your movie, your character occasionally listens to a podcast by some Midwestern jackass with two kids who plays games a lot and likes to talk about how those games make him feel. But never... Never weigh yourself against somebody else. Only look towards people for... Um, huh. How to phrase this. Don't measure yourself against somebody else. Instead, look at what they've done and see how you can make it work for you. Life's not a, you know, three by three by three Rubik's cube for everybody. For some people, it's a two by two by two. For some people, it's a single die with six sides. And then for some people, it's a goddamn tesseract. A cube within a cube and without a cube that extends and contracts more than the human consciousness can understand. <laughs> Lives are difficult and complex until they're not. And you make a decision that's important enough that you understand exactly what you need to do. And sometimes those decisions, as important as they may be, don't have a clear answer. I have thought for years now about what it would look like if I shut Nerdy Bits down. If I just stopped doing it. Maybe I would be able to enjoy playing games more if I didn't have a blog to write in. And what I've discovered more than not and as you probably would have gathered from this podcast so far, is if I were to shut down Nerdy Bits, I would just have these thoughts and know where to get them out. So my brain would just fucking crack. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to shut down Nerdy Bits. Not in the near future, unless for some reason I get a job at like Polygon. And then you'll see me every once in a while, but read me over there. I still have to figure out what it means to make a podcast about video games by myself because we don't really do that anymore. I do. And that is room for me to make more pointed content. And I did plan on doing that. And I do plan on doing that. I guess I just wanted everybody to know what's kind of been going on and how life's been weird and how everyone's life's been weird for the last year and a half. And if you expect people to have had everything put together, by then, 
Shame on you. <laughs> Shame on you. 2020 fucking sucked. And people had problems before 2020. So imagine what those problems look like now. It's a nice long pause for you to think that the podcast paused. I hope you all looked at your phones or tapped on the displays in your cars like, what just happened? Just me being contemplative. Video games are important to me. And I'm going to do my best over the next rest of my fucking life to do a good job of explaining why and showing you how they could mean more to you. But that process is slow sometimes and painful sometimes. And most of the time, just fucking difficult. So bear with me. And thanks for listening to this hour-long podcast of me just talking about how fucking hard my life is. I'm blessed. I know I'm blessed. I have a house and a wife and kids and a dog who's not always an asshole, but Sometimes I wonder what he would taste like as General So's chicken. I have my health. I've been told I have a good voice. I don't know if that's true because I don't try to see if people would like it in that way. But life's still been hard. And mentally, the last several years have been rough. Honestly, mentally, the last decade's been rough. But going through that just equips us to better deal with other things or to better deal with those things when they come up again. But I'm at the rambling stage now, so I'll let you go. Just know that I'm going to be making stuff at some point. I don't know exactly when, but I'm going to start working on it as soon as I can. I've got a full-ass podcast about Halo and Destiny with my grandma and with my Grandma's sister, Casey, and with my cousin, Christian. That's good, and I really like it. I just have to put it together, and it's a lot of work to put it together because I'm a perfectionist, and I want to add sound bits from the games and music and sound effects and all those things. And is that necessary? No, I could just upload the raw fucking audio so you could listen to us ramble and jamble and talk, but I'd like to give you some kind of a manicured experience. So I'll be working on those and I'll maybe put together a video and I'll definitely come back and podcast again more frequently than I have been. And maybe next time we'll actually talk about video game news and new games and games I've been playing. But for now, thanks for listening. Um, and thanks for sticking around. And if you're new, <laughs> we don't always do this, but I think sometimes it's good to get a good, you know, uh, baseline of what you're getting into. So maybe this is the reason you're going to come back. Maybe this is the reason you turned off this podcast 30 minutes ago. I don't care. I did this because I needed to do it. And I'm glad that I did it. If you want to follow anything that I do in wrapping up, of course, I got to do the, the marketing shit just in case, just in case somebody wants to follow. If you like this or want to see anything else I do, you can follow me on Twitter at lubwub, L-U-B-W-U-B. You can follow the website Nerdy Bits that this is affiliated with, the website I started at nerdy underscore bits on Twitter. And um, you can watch us on Twitch when we're on Twitch at twitch.tv slash nerdybitstv. 
YouTube, if you search Nerdy Bits TV, you can find it. We don't have a vanity link yet because we don't have 100 likes yet. If we could get 100 likes, that'd be great. But I don't want to be a little, I don't want to be, I don't want to be cloying. Just if you haven't liked the YouTube, like it so we can get to 100 and then we can have a vanity link and you can go to YouTube.com slash Nerdy Bits TV because that would be fucking dope. The music is um, On My Way Up by Conroe. It's one of my favorite songs. It came out in 2016 and I've finally been able to use it for something um and that it's great the song's great it puts me in a better mood every fucking time i hear it it's on my way up by conroe we get all of our music through monster cat go to monstercat.com they have creator licenses so that you can use stuff for your youtube or your twitch it's fucking dope and outside of that um i i don't have a new quote i need to come up with a new quote because dr seuss the dr seuss quote's probably not great so for now be good and be good at it. I'm just kidding. That's Danielle Riendo's that I stole from when she was on Vice years ago. Uh, yeah, just fucking play games. But play games because they speak to you. Not because they distract you. Peace.